Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Q&A edition of Optimal Relationships Daily, episode 958. Glad to have you here for our second-ever Saturday show, also our second-ever Q&A show. Just like in last week's, today we will be pulling a question from Optimal Living Advice, another show that I host in the network on which I use my background as an advice columnist and a life coach to answer questions that listeners like yourself send in. Many of the questions there are about relationships, and those are the types of questions we will be playing for you here each Saturday. Now, in last Saturday's episode, a reference was made to a popular theory in psychology and the three different types of attachment. Well, today we're going to look at a question that will encourage us to really explore that further, a question coming from a listener who is unsure how to act around potential partners and feels as though that uncertainty is keeping her from finding the right person. Let's hear her question now. Let's do what we can to help her out and start optimizing your life. How do I know if I'm in a healthy relationship? I feel like one thing that has kept me from finding the right person is not being sure about if we have a healthy attachment to one another. I have a very hard time gauging what amount of space, communication, intimacy is healthy or harmful. How do these types of things go in a healthy relationship? Alrighty, good question to ask with Valentine's Day nearing. This is great stuff to take inventory of, and it sure can be confusing not only to gauge what's healthy in terms of these types of things, but especially when keeping in mind that everyone expresses themselves and their affection differently. With that in mind, there's been a lot of research done on this, and one psych model in particular I think is worth referencing here. It's called the attachment theory. So in attachment theory, the idea is basically that there are three different types of attachment. And believe it or not, there is actually a right answer or a form of attachment that we all ideally want to strive for in our relationships to people, places, things, and other nouns. (laughs) The first type of attachment is called anxious attachment. We've definitely all experienced this in relationships, especially at a younger age, but it frequently follows people into adulthood. So listen up. A person with anxious attachment is typically overly clingy, needs a lot of attention, easily gets jealous. Essentially, they display a lot of traits that don't reflect confidence. The running theme is anxiety about not having the object of their affection around at all times and not trusting in their own independence or the independence of the object of their affection. There's constant fear of losing the object of their affection because there's a lack of confidence that they'll survive if that object is not with them, you know? So they offer a suffocating amount of affection as a means of keeping tabs on the object of their affection. 
Typically, this leads to bad things. For my fellow Chris Farley fans out there, think of, think of what Tommy Boy did to his pretty little pet when he was at the diner with Richard. Lots of destruction, lots of embarrassment. The anxious attachment habits are dangerous to the other party because they can easily be mistaken for being full of love and devotion. But over-reliance and insecurity can easily be mistaken for love and devotion too. Next, you have the total opposite of anxious attachment, which is avoidant attachment. Avoidant attachment is behavior that is almost bred out of fear of becoming too close so as to avoid getting hurt or losing independence. Avoidant attachment types are prone to needing extra space. They're rarely affectionate and can easily feel trapped if their partner tries to connect too much. You'll often find this in people who have interest in their partner, but simultaneously worry that those feelings put them at risk to lose their own freedom. So think of people who constantly feel smothered in their relationships and jump from relationship to relationship, never fully being vulnerable with any one partner. Avoidant attachment habits are dangerous to the other party because they can easily be mistaken for independence and strength. But fear of being hurt and fear of being vulnerable can easily be mistaken for independence and strength too. Finally, you have the sweet spot, which is called secure attachment. Though anxious and avoidance can feel secure in how they relay their feelings, the difference with those who are securely attached is that they have confidence in whatever degree of space their partner needs. That's not to say that secures are indifferent or careless to how their partners behave. That would be closer to avoidant. But the self-worth of the secure is not unhealthily attached. They understand their partner's needs and can be okay if their partner takes a while to text them back or goes for coffee with an ex or whatever. There is an ability to see connection, trust, and needs of the partner as opposed to being blinded by one's own securities, if that makes sense. In theory, we want our relationships to have this secure attachment. As we know, though, people express themselves differently. And the best bet to get both people on the same securely attached, triple-stapled page in a relationship is to be communicative about these means of expression. Asking an anxious why they don't trust you, rather than exploding at them every time you're falsely accused, is how both parties start to understand one another. Asking an avoidant why they won't tell you about their childhood, rather than crying about why they never open up to you, is how both parties start to understand one another. Communication and curiosity that is free of ego can bridge the gap between anxious and secure and between avoidant and secure, as both parties are able to calmly explore their patterns, the effects of their patterns on the relationship, and how those patterns can be changed for the sake of the relationship if necessary. It's really effort towards this type of communication that reflects a healthy relationship, maybe even more so than the behavior in the relationship in question. Amidst this communication, however, it is important to be mindful of the fact that secure attachment can be very difficult to find and is not always a simple way of living for people as much as they might even want it to be. Anxious and avoidant types of attachment, like anything else, are born of certain experiences that can be too complicated for our partners to just shut off. It's also never too late for anxious and avoidant attachment to start, as any new strong experience can still happen. For example, you can't really cheat on your partner and then be upset with them for becoming more avoidant or anxious. If you're dating a late teen or someone in their early 20s, you also can't expect them to be totally free of anxious attachment either, as they probably haven't come to fully understand their identities yet. So, 
being aware of the natural ebbs and flows of life and relationships and how those ebbs and flows affect attachment is of really, really great importance too. Ultimately, experiences past and future alter our levels of attachment and getting to the root of these experiences and how they affect our own or our partner's attachment gives us a glimpse into why our attachment is the way it is and how it can become more secure and more healthy. Thanks a lot to the asker for sending this question in and for giving us a chance to look at the ways in which we relate to those we're in relationships with. And while attachment theory is thought to stem from the relationships we have with our parents as children, like I mentioned, these things can still change with new experiences over time. So if you're not feeling as though you have secure attachment in your relationship right now, know that this can still change due not only to a powerful experience that may be plopped in your lap, but also because of the self-work you're able to do should you choose to. So be mindful of what new experiences take part in your relationship and keep attachment theory in mind should they start to change your means of expressing yourself. So I hope the message wasn't lost on our asker or any of you. That will do it for this Q&A episode, but remember that if you have a question you would like my help with on the show about relationships or anything else, we welcome you to email it to us at advice at oldpodcast.com. Do not be shy. Advice at oldpodcast.com. Your identity will be kept anonymous. We'll have a little exchange via email and hopefully provide you with an answer that can inspire you to make the right changes for yourself. But in the meantime, thanks again for coming today and be sure to join us tomorrow as we get back into narration on the Sunday show. That's where your optimal life awaits.